Shalom. Welcome to the New Millennium Edition of the Torah Teaching. This audio program is produced by Lion and Lamb Ministries and is presented by Monty Judah. This particular teaching of the Torah is uh, what is referred to by the sages as one of the most fundamental things of the Torah that there is about the teaching of God. You see, the fact is that we, when we think of God, we think of uh, some basic things that God has to have about his life and about his character. For him to be God, he has to have the following things. He rewards that which does good and he punishes or he has judgment for that which is bad. Now, there is no people's who, who create a God, set up an idol, or believe in the one true God, who don't assign these attributes to their God. The very definition of God, whether we realize it or not, says, if you do good, this God will reward you. If you do bad, this God will punish you. This is a basic understanding of men and their God. And here, God gives some very basic things about him, himself, to Moses who passes on to the children of Israel. Let me follow along with me as I read for you. Verse 4, Then I shall give you rains in your season, so that the land will yield its produce, and the trees of the field will bear their fruit. Indeed, their th your threshing will last for you until grape gathering, and grape gathering will last until sowing time. You will thus eat your food to the full and live securely in your land. I shall also grant peace in the land so that you may lie down when no one making you tremble. I shall also eliminate harmful beasts from the land and no sword will pass through your land, but you will chase your enemies and they will fall before you by the sword. Five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase 10,000 and your enemies will fall before you by the sword. So I will turn toward you and make you fruitful and multiply you and I will confirm my covenant with you. And you will eat the old supply and clear out the old because of the new. Moreover, I will make my dwelling among you, and my soul will not reject you. I will also walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt so that you should not be their slaves. And I broke the bars of your yoke and made you walk erect. But if you do not obey me and do not carry out all these commandments, if instead you reject my statutes, and if your soul abhors my ordinances so as not to carry out all my commandments and so break my covenant, I in turn will do this to you. Now we'll pick up and we'll read a little bit further in a moment. But here's your basic proposition. You know, if God is God, if you do good, God blesses. And there's a series of blessings that God gives and he guarantees to the sons of Israel and those that would join with Israel in believing in this God and keeping those commandments. He says, look, I'm, I'm going to make where you live to be prosperous. I'll cause it to rain so the grass grows, so the cattle you know, get fat, so that you eat and, and the, all the vegetation grows and everything you plant, it grows. And, it, and I'll cause the produce to be such that from season to season to season is the growing of things that before you can eat the old, the new has come in. I'll just, I'll just cause the blessings to just ripple and roll all over themselves all over you. I'll give you problems. The problems you'll have is so many blessings. That'll be the problems you'll have. So many blessings that you have to take care of. Because I'll just pour out blessings on you. 
I'll dwell with you. I will walk in your midst. You'll have have the presence of me around you. And you'll be blessed. And then he says, that's though if you'll walk with me. If you'll obey. If you'll keep these commandments and statutes. But now he's going to list the conditions if we don't. And in verse, uh, verse 15 he says, But if instead you reject my statutes, and if you, your soul abhors my ordinances, so as not to carry out all my commandments, and so break my covenant, I in turn will do this to you. I will appoint over you a sudden terror, consumption, and fever that shall waste away uh, the eyes and cause the soul to pine away. Also, you shall sow your seed uselessly, for your enemies shall eat it up. And I will set my face against you, so that you shall be struck down before your enemies, and those who hate you shall rule over you, and you shall flee when no one is pursuing you. If if also after these things you do not obey me, in other words, if I do this punishment to you, and you still won't learn, you still will not obey, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. And I will also break your pride of power. I will also make your sky like iron and your earth like bronze and your strength and you shall be spent uselessly for your land shall not yield its produce and the trees of the land shall not yield their fruit. If then you act with hostility against me and are unwilling to obey me, I will increase the plague on you seven times according to your sin. And I will let loose among you the beasts of the field, which shall bereave you of you and your children, and destroy your cattle, and reduce your number, so that your roads lie deserted. And if by these things you are not turned to me, but act with hostility with me against me, then I will act with hostility against you, and I, even I, will strike you seven times for your sins. I will also bring upon you a sword, which will execute vengeance for the covenant. And when you gather together into your cities, I will send pestilence amongst you so that you shall not be delivered into the enemies. You shall be delivered into the enemy's hands. And when I break your staff of bread, ten women will bake your bread in one oven and they will bring back your bread in rationed amounts so that you will eat and not be satisfied. Yet, if in spite of this you do not obey me, but act with hostility against me. Then I will act with wrathful hostility against you, and I, even I, will punish you seven times for your sins. Further, you shall eat the flesh of your sons and the flesh of your daughters. You shall eat. And I will destroy your high places and cut down your incense altars and heap your remains on the remains of your idols, and my soul shall abhor you. I will lay waste your cities as well and will make your sanctuaries desolate. I will not smell your soothing aromas. And I will make the land desolate so that your enemies who settle in it shall be appalled over it. You, however, I will scatter amongst the nations and will draw out a sword after you as your land becomes desolate and your cities become waste. Then the land will enjoy its Sabbaths all the days of the desolation while you are in your enemy's lands. Then the land will rest and enjoy its Sabbaths all the days of its desolation. It will observe the rest 
which you did not observe on your Sabbaths while you are living on it. And as for those of you who may be left, I will also bring weakness into their hearts and in the lands of their enemies. And the sound of a driven leaf will chase them, and even when no one is pursuing, and they will flee as though, as though from the sword, and they will fall. They will therefore stumble over each other as if running from the sword, although no one is pursuing, and you will have no strength to stand up before your enemies. But you will perish among the nations, and your enemies' land will consume you, so that those of who may be left will rot away because of their iniquity in the land of their enemies, and also because of the iniquities of their forefathers, they will rot with them. By the way, this happened. Moses was a prophet. Did you know that? He, he, he went to the children of Israel and he said, here's how this thing works. Here's what's going to happen to you. If you will walk with the Lord, great and wondrous things will happen to you. But if you don't, if you reject these statutes and these ordinances, if you will not obey the Lord, there's a series of stages that we're going to go through. Four times. Four times. He listed off the four levels that they would come down to. If you won't obey, and if you will act with hostility toward me, if you reject the statutes, and so forth, and, and he says, I'm just going to heap it on you, and keep heaping it on you, and keep heaping it on you, and you know, here's what's going to finally happen. You know, this whole thing of us trying to go to the promised land, God's going to kick you out of the promised land. You know, with Moses and his generation, everything was to go to the promised land, and he said, even that, you'll be kicked out of the land. And God will scatter you to the nations. Well, guess what? Everybody knows the history of Israel. Everybody knows that when Israel went down into the land and so forth, that they didn't obey. They didn't keep these statutes or ordinances. God had a time of judges to come and try to turn the people. God had a time of prophets who came and tried to provoke the people. They said, finally, we'll give us a king. They finally had a time of kings. Then there was civil war. They split apart. Their enemies came in, overruled them. Israel to the north got scattered into other nations to, by the Assyrians. Judah themselves was taken into captivity over to the Babylonians. And there's a very interesting verse in Second Chronicles 36, 21, where Jeremiah says, you guys down here in Judah, you're going to go to Babylon for 70 years. Why 70 years? Because the Lord has said, and through Moses, that for every year that you will not keep the sabbatical year in the land of Israel, you'll get scattered out of the land and into the hands of your enemies. You've been here 490 years. There's 70 sabbatical years. You've never kept the one. You've never given the land its rest, as the Lord specified. So for 70 years, you'll go into captivity. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. It was prophesied to be. They went. Daniel was at the back end of it, and he came back. Seventy years they were in the hands of the Babylonians. And then there was a period of time there where they tried to rebuild the temple. They got Herod came along and kind of rebuilt it. And then, lo and behold, history tells us very clearly and plainly, the Son of God showed up. The rightful heir to heaven. And how did they treat him? With hostility. With hostility. In fact, they killed him. And then what happened? Their sanctuary was torn down and destroyed, just like, what, just like what Moses said. And finally, in AD 70, they were scattered to the nations. 
It's only in, in this generation, in recent times, that we've seen the children of Israel to come back to the land again, that there be a land of Israel. It's only since 1948 that there's a land of Israel again. And that's what the prophecy said. Now, for all these years, I don't know if you know this or not, but for, for many, many years, churchmen and church leaders have said that when this happened, what we're reading here, that when, when this happened, God and Israel broke the covenant. That in effect, God was intending to get married to Israel, but got divorced. And that the Jews acted with such hostility toward God and broke every commandment so, so terribly that uh, God rejected them, cast them out of the land, you know, made them to be not his people anymore. And, you know, if that was a, if, if I was God and I had been the recipient of what Israel had did, I would have done that. Because what Israel did was despicable, beyond despicable, unbelievable, the things they did. I don't know if you know this or not, but in the Jerusalem siege at A.D. 70, they ate their children. There was famine and siege and just like what Moses said, it will be so bad you eat the flesh of your own sons and daughters. It happened. That's how bad that siege was in Jerusalem. You'd think, since they want to follow Moses, that they get it. You know, you'd think we'd look back at this passage and we'd say, well, you know, something's terribly wrong here. We're doing what Moses said not to do. And look, it's all happened to us. It's all happening to us. Well, some, some are seeing it. Some are repenting. Some of the sons of Israel are saying, we made a huge mistake. And our fathers made a huge mistake. And we're responsible for what our fathers have done. And we must repent. Daniel did it. Daniel looked at his situation and he said, oh God, forgive us. Forgive our fathers. Forgive us for what we've done. For what we have done is not worthy of a pardon. But oh God, pardon us, please. Bring us back to the land again. There are some who have prayed this prayer, like Daniel prayed, and have gone back. So what is this business about Israel over there right now? I mean, you know, it, it sounds to me like it's pretty much over and done with. I mean, and I can remember my earlier teaching about covenants. The covenants were conditional. It's like a contract, you know, for consideration given, consideration is received. You know, God said here real plainly, um, if you don't obey me, this is what will happen to you. And that's happened. And that must be it. It's, all, it's over and done with. Wait a minute, we got another clause. We got another, we got another thing here that God does. This is the difference between God and a man. Look at what it says in verse 40. If they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their forefathers in their unfaithfulness, which they committed against me, and also in their acting with hostility against me, I was also acting with hostility against them to bring them into the land of their enemies, or if their uncircumcised heart becomes humbled so that they may make amends for their iniquity, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob. I will remember also my covenant with Isaac and, I, and my covenant with Abraham as well, and I will remember the land. For the land shall be abandoned by them, and shall make up for its Sabbaths while it is made desolate, 
without them. They, meanwhile, shall be making amends for their iniquity because they rejected my ordinances and their soul abhorred my statutes. Yet in spite of this, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not reject them, nor will I abhor them so as to destroy them, breaking my covenant with them. For I am the Lord their God. But I will remember for them the covenant with their ancestors, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the nations, that I might be their God. I am the Lord. That's the part they never told me. You know, I went to church and, and uh, so forth, and I heard all about, you know, what happened to Israel. And there was no question about it. I'd seen it, and it was all clear, and it was pretty clear to me in my definition, God should do this. And God did it. We're scattered throughout the nations. You can track the name Judah back in my father's, and that's, 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 the, that's the path. You know, my father's grew up in Dickinson County in Kansas, and his before him back in Indiana, his before him back in Pennsylvania, his before him back in Switzerland, his before him many generations back to Jerusalem. My fathers were taken as slaves after the destruction of Jerusalem, and they end up being for some 1,600 years slaves to kings. You see, they used to take the, the royal protocol or the house of the king and they would become the servants to other kings because they know the royal protocol. They know best how to be a servant to a king because they lived in the courts of where the kings are at. So they took the sons of Judah, of the house of Judah, and they made them slaves to kings, European kings, for a whole bunch of years. The story that's been passed down to me is, is that Back seven, eight generations ago, that somehow it's like the story of Mordecai. My grandfather did something that saved the king's life somehow. And as a result, as a gift for saving his life, he was granted his freedom with him and his son. And they came to America. This is like a, like a, like a biblical story. In fact, it is. It is a biblical story. And it's just, that's just one. There's all the Jewish people scattered all over the world. You know, losing their ancestral record and not knowing where they really belong and so forth. We're all fulfilling what Moses said was going to happen to us. I didn't do it. I, I, I didn't reject the commandments back in the land of Israel. My fathers did. And I pay the penalty. I pay the penalty just like they do. Because you see, the blessing and the penalty, when it comes to dealing with God, extends through your, your generations. From generation to generation. Sins carry all the way to the third and fourth generations. Blessings to the thousandth generation. This is also the business of God. But you know what? We live in a world where the people who were giving me my religious instruction, they weren't saying this. Oh, they were saying that, that Israel sinned. And they were saying that Israel was cast out of the land. But they were saying that God rejected Israel. And now... He's dealing with something new, the church. That the church and the Gentiles have become now God's economy, God's program throughout the world. There's no question that God began to do that. There's no question that all those who responded to the new covenant, who did not act with hostility toward the Son, who did receive the Holy Spirit, that yes, they got the blessing. No question about it. If when they walked in the Lord, they got the blessing. This country... The United States of America enjoys a tremendous testimony 
of its founding fathers honoring God. And this country has prospered like no other country in the history of the world save Israel in the days when they walked before the Lord. But this country is no different from Israel. If we do not walk in his commandments, if we reject his commandments and so forth, we'll get the same faith that Israel got. There's no country, if, if Israel set the pattern, this is how this God works. This God says, if you obey, blessings. If you don't obey, you're going to get punished. You're not going to go around claiming to belong to me and get away with it this way. And so we have this history. Isn't that interesting? Moses prophesied about the scattering into the nations, and he also prophesied there'd be a day coming when they'd come back. A day coming when they come back. When they would repent. And they would not they would repent of the hostility they put toward God, they would repent of these commandments, and they would start to obey, and God would reestablish. Now the question is, kind of when was that supposed to happen? Well, we know that historically Israel, the nation, became a nation in nineteen forty eight. But has Israel is has Israel really returned to the Lord yet? No. It's not apparent to me. There's still a lot of secular Jews over there. God's reestablished the nation, but we still got lots of trauma, lots of trouble, lots of difficulties. I, I don't see us getting all the blessings. We get some. You know, the, the prosperity of the field is certainly there and carries a very interesting testimony for the Lord. But the people's hearts still are not yet turned to the Lord. But there are some Jews who've started to turn their hearts. And there's this thing called the Messianic Movement. It's a very interesting movement. It doesn't seem to have any single charismatic leader. It's kind of just sprung up. It wasn't because the church, you know, did the four spiritual laws in Hebrew and went out and tried to canvas the Jewish neighborhoods. Just all of a sudden it happened. To give you a sense of proportion of this, I'll repeat a story to you that I used to tell several years ago. I got involved with the Messianic movement back a dozen or so years ago. At the time that I did, I was led by this prophecy and other prophecies. There are many prophecies that talk about the last days when the remnant of Israel will return to the Lord and some incredible things that are going to take place. Songs that they will sing. Things that they will do. And so when I had studied those prophecies, at the time I was, I was a good Southern Baptist minister. I mean, I was a good conservative in my thinking. Had taken the Schofield Bible course of the 27 basic Baptist doctrines. I was a good one. And uh, I found these prophecies, and I began to go to my brethren, and I said, wait a minute. You know, this thing about Israel thing, this is happening. This, this is in the Scripture. And besides that, the real prophecies don't talk about just the physical return of the people to Israel. It talks about a spiritual return of Israel to the Lord, of their repenting and the Lord reestablishing the covenant with them. Boy, now that really smacked of my, my theology because I thought that covenant was gone. At least I was told that. But the Lord had given me a verse a long, long time ago, back 20 years or so ago, a promise out of Deuteronomy 8 in which that he said, it was very interesting because I, I really knew this was from the Lord. He told me that he was going to give me the power to gain wealth in my hands. Man, I love that promise. 
And he said that the condition was that I could not forget the Lord, because if I forgot the Lord, then I would surely perish as the nations I had seen perish before the Lord. And not only was he going to give me the power to gain wealth in my hands, he was going to confirm the covenant made with my fathers. Now, at the time that I read that, I, I just thought that was a lot of spiritual ease, and I, it really didn't make a lot of sense to me. In these days, it makes all the sense to me, way more than that other part, because that's what I see is happening. I see individual Jewish people, some of them are just like, they've got this heritage and it's just bubbling out of the background, and all of a sudden they feel motivated and drawn to the Lord and to, to Jewish-type things, and they've suddenly discovered there's these other Jews who are starting to believe in Jesus, and all of a sudden it seems like it's the answer to what they've been looking for. And all of a sudden, not only does their testimony toward Yeshua and Jesus become emboldened, but their lifestyle changes. They become observant. They start keeping commandments. I once heard a reform rabbi refer to the Messianic Jews as the Hebrews amongst the Hebrews. Isn't that an interesting statement? I asked him, I said, I kind of take that complimentary. What, what, what are you meaning by that? He says, oh, they, uh, they, they, they clearly have the testimony of Jesus and they keep the commandments. I was like, are you, are you reading this out of Revelation? There's a verse in Revelation that says that. No, he didn't know that was in there. I said, you're telling me that the, that the thing that you see when you see this Jewish person come to belief in Yeshua, you're seeing him actually obey and keep the commandments better? He said, yeah, it's real hard to talk him out of it, too. You know, because normally the Jewish people don't keep any commandments, and here, this guy, he's keeping commandments, and he's the apostate. And so you can't go and say, well, you need to learn, you need to learn Moses, or you need to learn the Bible or something, because they're doing it. Interesting. Interesting. The first time that I ever went to a Messianic congregation, first of all, I thought I was the only Jew in the world to believe. I'm, I'm honest. That's a very common testimony amongst the Jewish people. When they come to this, they think they're the only ones. They're like the first. And they don't realize that God is doing this thing in every community, in every city, in every country. They don't realize it. So the first time they come into a Messianic congregation, they're like elated. Like, like for me... I had read the prophecies that said that they'll be singing certain songs from the words of the prophets. And I tell you that the first time I went in there that first night and they were singing, Behold, God is my salvation, Isaiah 12, in my spirit, I was like stuck on the ceiling. I, I'm, I'm watching prophecy being fulfilled. The Jewish people are singing the words of Isaiah and they've repented to God. And the Lord says some very interesting things are going to happen as a result of that. Very interesting things are going to happen. Uh, in those days, when I started to investigate what the Messianic movement was about, they had a uh, conference uh, that I wasn't able to attend, but I was able to get the tape, and I heard the speaker. It was a very interesting speech. It was by the, the speaker was a man by the name of Dr. Daniel Fuchs. And Dr. Fuchs has already uh, gone on to be with the Lord. But he was the main speaker at this auditorium, and he was speaking, he was talking about the Messianic movement. And this is now, this is about 19, um, this is about 1982 or three. So it's not too far back. 
And he stood up in this assembly and he said, brethren, he says, you do not understand what I have seen happen. And then he said he was counting back 25 years. So he's, he's counting back to like 1960 or so. And he was talking in those days. He said, in those days, in 1960, in this country of America, there were five Messianic Jews. Five of them. He knew the names of every one of them. He knew their wives, their anniversary dates, the names of their children, their addresses, and their phone numbers. Five Jews in this country in 1960 who had repented, who were keeping the commandments. At the time that he was speaking it, he was speaking to an assembly of 2,000 Messianic Jewish leaders. This little thing here, this little assembly, is a very recent spiritual phenomena that you are a part of, whether you realize it or not. This has not been around a long time. The idea that someone would stand up and say, I believe in Jesus and I believe in the commandments of God through the mouth of Moses. This is a new thing. This is a very new thing. Some of you have been coming, and as we've been teaching through the Torah portion this, this um, year, some of you have come and personally spoken to me and said, well, you know, Monty, I, I'm not sure I really fully agree with you, but man, what you're saying is very intriguing, very interesting, and I've I got to come and hear what, what else you've got to say. And I said, well, what is it that's so intriguing? He said, man, you're talking about like we're supposed to keep these commandments. That these are real commandments from God. And that they didn't go away. And that these covenants didn't go away. And that God is still being faithful. And, and Israel still has a destiny. And, and, and this is still going. I thought that had all changed. I thought those commandments went away. I thought those covenants were done away with. I thought we were doing some, some church thing here. And all of a sudden, you brought into question a whole host of things for me. Yeah, praise the Lord. The Messianic movement is doing it. Do you know what happens to your neighborhood and your community? Do you know what happens when you stand up and you start to really obey the commandments of the Lord? Not the commandments of the church. Not the doctrines of the church. The commandments of God. When you start implementing and doing them, you know what it does? People start taking note of you. You're different. Well, there's a real interesting passage, and we say this in the blessings. It is in the traditional prayers. Do we say when we, when we, when we, before the Lord, when, like when we don the Talib, or when we keep the Sabbath, or there's a, there's a traditional blessing. Thank you, O God, who has sanctified us by your commandments and commanded us to do this. You know what the word sanctified us by your commandments means? It means separated you. I, you, as a result of keeping the commandment, God has separated you from the world. He has set you apart, different. Because you kept the commandment. Now, that's the whole meaning of what the church has been trying to teach for 2,000 years about the ecclesia, the church, the called out ones, the ones that are separated from the world. The problem is, the church brethren has not kept the commandments, so they've got the title of being separated from the world, but they're still in the world. Their problems are the world's problems. The world's problems are their problems. They're no different. And in our society and in our community, brethren, i got to tell you, 
when, when a guy comes up and he tells me I go to church, you know, I don't really see a lot of difference in his life than, than, than say, the guy who, you know, doesn't go to church at all. I don't see a lot of difference. I don't hear a lot of difference in his speech. I don't see a lot of difference in his behavior. I don't see anything different. But man, I'll tell you what, you want to shake up a restaurant, just walk in there and gently explain that you don't want to eat the pork. Word will get through your church where you attend. Or if, God forbid, you should keep Sabbath in your own home. Word gets out that you're keeping Sabbath. Man, that word will go through the church like wildfire. You know what that guy's done? He's a, he's a Sabbath keeper. <laughs> that happened to me. I got called on the carpet in a Baptist church where I'm a Baptist minister. When I started keeping the Sabbath, and they called me in and had a special meeting, uh, we understand that uh, you're keeping Sabbath at your home. Yes, that, that, that's right. So you are a Sabbath keeper. You say that like that's a bad thing or something. Well, I said, you do think it's a bad thing? Well, yes. I said, please, when I go before the judgment and I have to give an account before God, would you please be there to accuse me of being a Sabbath keeper before God? <laughs> please go up there and tell him, bring all the witnesses you can bring. Tell him, I've been up there keeping Sabbath. Same thing is with the other commandments, brother. You know, I have, you know, come and I've tried to teach you in this tour and we're, we're now completing this third book. It's not just about keeping commandments. There's a reason why these commandments are in here. It says the reason why these commandments are in here is so that you will know God. That you'll begin to identify with this God. You see, if you keep the commandments that he has, here's what he says he does. He separates you from the world. He brings you in. He put, makes his presence in your midst. He dwells with you. He walks along with you, and you get to know him. And the more you get to know him, the more you want to keep the commandments. And we're not talking about legalism. Legalism, brethren, is when you keep man's commandments. When you keep God's commandments, it's called obedience. And the purpose for keeping the commandments is to get to know the Lord. That's the purpose for it. It's not to make you more righteous than another man or to justify your salvation and how you get to go to heaven and others don't. That's got nothing to do with it. That's, that's a whole other issue on salvation. That's the work of God. What we're talking about is, do you know the Lord? If the commandments separate you from the world unto him, then not keeping the commandments separates you from God and puts you back into the world, just like Israel got kicked out into the world. You want to get scattered? Don't keep the commandments. You want to be confused? Don't keep the commandments. Don't listen to the Lord. Don't obey him. Reject his statutes. There's a chill that goes through me every time I hear a religious man say, well, <clears throat> that commandment's not for us. Those, those commandments aren't anymore. They're rejecting the commandments. They're rejecting them. Now, brethren, you know, as I go through and I read the commandments, I've got to tell you plain. There's some commandments for men. They're not all for women. The ones for women, men, you don't have to do. The ones that are for men, ladies, you don't have to do those. So we can chop a whole bunch off right there. 
Okay? Now, the ones for the sons of Aaron, as I've taught you in the book of Leviticus, for the priests, this is the book for the training of the priests. There's a whole series of commandments if you're a son of Aaron. If your last name is Kohen, you're one of the Kohenites. There's a whole series of commandments in here. If your name is not Kohen, you don't have to worry about those commandments. If you're not a son of Israel, if you're not a Jewish person, if you're a Gentile person, there's a whole bunch of commandments in there you don't have to worry about. But if you're a son of Israel, yes, there are certain commandments that God has called for you to do. If you're a master, if you have employees, if you're a rich man, you can loan money to people. There's a series of commandments for you. You're poor, like me, you've got to borrow money, there's different commandments. You've got to pay debts, different commandments. If your children or your parents, whatever your station of life is, there are different commandments for the station of life, whatever you're in. All 613 do not apply to any single person. Some of them do. Some of them are broke. When it all boils down to it, it really kind of boils down to about 10. There's 10 that seem to apply to everybody. Jew, Gentile, male, female, children, adult, old, young, doesn't make these ten. These ten, th this is it, basically it. You know, we struggle so much trying to understand, well, I want to know God, but I don't want to get all hung up in legalism. And, and uh, besides, I don't like to obey, really. And um, so maybe we could find another way. And that's really kind of what has happened to the church, brethren. And I'm, I'm going to speak from my own testimony as a believer. That when I first came to faith, I saw the words obey in there. I hated them. I had some rebellion in me. My father did a pretty good job of teaching me to be a civilized person. And I learned obedience from him. But to tell you the truth, he didn't teach me everything about obedience. And I really didn't. I kind of resented authority to a certain extent, like everybody else does. And I really didn't want to obey. I just as soon find some other mechanism in which we could do this and I don't have to obey. Well, the church is, you know, they're appealing to people, so they've said it. Well, there's really only one commandment left, and that's love. It's just one, love. And grace covers the rest. Okay? You don't have to keep commandments. Grace has got covered. Well, you know, there was, there was a fella who came up to the Lord... And he said, Lord, and he was referring to the Ten Commandments. And he said, well, Lord, um, what, what's the greatest of the commandments? You know, let's, let's hone this thing down to where we can get this under control. Just give me one or two that I can really focus in on, and I don't have to worry about all these other commandments. I don't have to worry about these details and, and uh, so forth. So he came to him and he said, uh, what's, what's the foremost? What's the greatest commandment? And as I shared with you before, as we talked about the Shema, he answered and he said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And the second one is like unto the first in that you shall love your neighbor. It's like that one. Now, if you in your mind's eye, stay with me for a moment, if you were to take the basic Ten Commandments and take that first tablet, the first five, they're all commandments that have to do with your relationship with God. If you took the second five, 
commandments or the second tablet, they all have to do with your relationship with man, your brethren. And the way it comes down, it works like this. You can't say that you love God if you set up other idols. God says, you, you can't say you love me if you're, if you're going to make other idols. You can't say that you love God if you won't believe in him. You can't say that you love God if you hate your father and your mother. You can't say it. It's not true. Now, the kicker that's in there, and this is one of the strange ones. This is for us that are here. This is the reason why it's so difficult for others. You can't say that you love God and profane the Sabbath either. Because he's the Lord of the Sabbath, and he created that, and that's the day that is the sign that he's the creator of heaven and earth. You can't say you love God and profane that day. There's a lot of people who do. There's a lot of people who say they love God and they hate their father and mother. But they don't. The same thing is with your relationship with men. You can't say that you love your brethren and go out and commit murder. You can't say that you love your brethren if you go out and commit adultery with his wife, steal his possessions and covet his other things and lie about him. Just, it just doesn't work. You can't say it. It's not true. The way John, the Apostle John said it this, this way, he said, if a man says that he knows God, and yet he will not keep the commandments, he is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Man, that's, that's some pretty scary stuff about these commandments thing. See, I thought I was going to keep the commandments just to be religious. Now you're telling me i got to keep these commandments to show to God and to me and the rest of the world that I know the Lord. Because if I don't know the Lord, I ain't going to keep them. That's the truth. You won't keep the commandments if you don't know the Lord. Because when you start to know the Lord, something happens to you. When the presence of God comes into your life, it changes you. It changes the nature in you want to obey. You see him as Abba, Father, loving, caring. You see the blessings. You want the blessings. You want the life. He says these are the conditions. Yes, whatever you want, Lord, let's do it. You're motivated toward the Lord. But the man who claims by lip service, yes, I know the Lord, but he doesn't do these. He doesn't know the Lord. Now, there was the one thing that the Baptist did teach me that is correct. The real issue is to know the Lord. They're correct about that. They were correct in their faith in teaching me that. The real issue is to know the Lord. How do we get to know the Lord? Keeping church commandments? You'll get to know the church. You won't get to know the Lord. Is it by keeping man's traditions? You'll know man real well, but you won't know the Lord. You've got to keep the commandments that belong to the Lord. This is what the scribe said to Yeshua when he gave his answer. You have spoken the truth correctly, teacher, because the Lord is one and he prefers that over bulls and goats. The Lord is one because the person who says that knows the Lord. 
That is what is said by the sages and scholars of Israel, that when this whole thing gets done and the, and the Messiah comes back and we get ready to go into the Messianic kingdom and we get ready to go in and the temple gets restored and we all come, we're raptured, resurrection and so forth, he says there's only one thing we're really going to know. Listen to this. There's only one thing that we'll know for sure, that the Lord is one. That's all we're going to carry from this previous time into the future and then the future will be built off of that. The Lord is one. He's a unified one. God is one. He's one true God. And the commandments teach us that. As a result of being separated from the world, getting to know him, this is what we come to. We come to hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. That's what that does to us. Now the church will tell you and teach you, you should love God. But Yeshua said, if you love me, keep my commandments. But they say, no, don't keep the commandments. Oh, we got a different deal now working. No, here's what they really got. They've got other commandments they want you to keep. They have other commandments they want you to keep. They don't want you to keep the commandments of God. They want you to keep these other commandments. You know what? It's the same mistake that happened 2,000 years ago when the Messiah showed up. The Jewish religious leadership were in conflict with God and God's son when he arrived. The reason they were in conflict was because they were not keeping the commandments of Moses. They had made new commandments. They had rejected the commandments of Moses, the commandments of God. In fact, Yeshua specifically said to him, he said, ye do err and that you know not the scriptures nor the power of God. By the way, these were religious scholars equivalent to our PhDs he was speaking to. <laughs> you guys don't even know the scriptures. By the way, today I have not yet met a minister who can tell me what the commandments of Moses are in my lifetime. Correctly. Oh, they hem and haw around. They don't know them. They're not taught them and they don't teach them. The reason why I believe that the Lord put me on the path that I'm on was to answer a call to teach Moses. What did Moses say about this? Because what Moses had to say about the Messiah is not in conflict with what the Messiah said. In fact, Yeshua said, had you believed in Moses, you would have believed also in me. You see, that's my problem. I tell the rabbis, I say, look, I, you know, I got to explain to you. I don't really have a problem with you, except that you guys won't teach Moses. You won't teach Moses. Judaism is a religion that was formed a hundred years after the Messiah. It's not the true religion for the Jewish people. Christianity actually predates Judaism. The best known Jewish sources for a whole series of things that used to happen in the temple and things that used to happen on Shabbat and things that used to happen at the end of Shabbat on Saturday evening come from the writing of the New Testament. Those are the oldest known Jewish writings about those subjects. Most of Judaism's written literature is written from 250 A.D. to 450 A.D. You would make a big mistake if you thought 
that Judaism that we see today is the religion that was back there when Yeshua was talking to the religious leaders in his day. It wasn't. It was a distorted religion and they weren't following Moses. But it was the roots. It was the earliest seeds of what we have as rabbinical Judaism today. By the way, if you were to go back and look at the earliest evidence of the Christian faith, you won't find a lot of it at this day and age. They've changed too. They've turned too. They've changed the very nature of God, how he keeps covenants and who he is. How many of you have heard God is one in church instruction? It just happens to be the foremost, greatest teaching, pulls the whole Bible into context, and it was out of the words, out of the mouth of the Messiah himself. He said, in the Shema is the central teaching of what we're trying to do. And it is to love the Lord. Get to know him. To get to know the Lord, that he's one, and to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might to do that. And to love your neighbor like God. Because God says, if you hate your neighbor, you can't claim you love God. It's not possible. You cannot go around saying, hey, I love God and hate your neighbor. God says you're a liar. That's not true. That's not possible. You can't go around saying that you, 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 you love your brother and you hate God. You're a liar there, too. You really don't love your brother. You got a distorted definition about what you're doing. And brethren, if a man stands up to you today, I don't care how religious he is. I don't care how pious he is. I don't care how many alphabet soup he's got after his name. I don't care what seminary he went to, what education, what church he attends. I don't care. I don't care what he's ever done before. If he stands up to you and he says, you don't have to keep some of these commandments. You don't have to keep these commandments. Grace covers it. The truth is not in him. He does not know the Lord. The guy who knows the Lord says keep the commandments. That's how you get to know him. Obey the Lord. That's how you will get to know him. And don't be afraid of these commandments. These commandments are not grievous. You only have to keep them one at a time. You don't have to keep all 613 at the same moment. Just one at a time. Just walk with me. Take one step at a time with me. Will you stumble? Sure you'll stumble. Will you get back up again? Yes, hopefully. You'll get back up again. You'll walk again. You keep going. And you walk with the Lord. God is not in the business of making covenants and then breaking them. I don't care what you do. Now, I, I am not telling you that God doesn't have justice. I'm not telling you that you can go out and sin and do whatever you want and get away with it. You won't. I don't care how much grace you got. That grace will cover you right up to the point of judgment. Because that judgment thing is a sure thing just as much as that grace thing is. Just as sure as mercy is, there's justice. You know, God is in the business of being able to handle that. He can do that. We can't. Well, I can assure you that he is that powerful and he can do that. That he's that real. If you want to see how powerful it is, just look at the history of my fathers for the last 2,000 years. He's serious about this judgment business. Very serious. And when he said to him and warned us through Moses, this is what will happen to you. Every bit of it has happened. 
Every bit of it. Not a thing to be mocked. Now, we all want to know the Lord. We all want to be on God's side. We want our God to think well of us. We want to think well of our God. It's real simple. Obey. Obey. Trust the Lord. Obey his commandments. They're not too many. They're not very hard. It's a, it's a, it's a real simple circle. You know, uh, the, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord. How do you love the Lord? You keep his commandments. Oh, keeping commandments. Let's look. You know, see, see how that works? It just works just as smooth as can be. There's no conflict here. It just keeps working, keeps working, keeps working. And the more we obey, the more we walk with the Lord, the more we get to know him, the more he gets to know us. Brethren, I've mentioned this to you before, but you need to really consider this. It is religious men whom will stand in the day of judgment and say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. Lord, we did many good, wonderful works in your name. Lord, we did spiritual things. We cast out demons in your name. And the Lord says there will be a key deciding issue about them for judgment. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. Wow. Just being religious, don't get it. Just sounding right, don't get it. Fooling everybody else, don't get it. This God says, no, I want you to actually know me. And I want to know you. You ever been in a church where you've seen some big revival or great evangelist walk into the assembly? This is frightening when you see it. it, it it's very disturbing. And they'll be preaching away and people are getting saved and people are coming down and so forth. And the head of the deacons comes down to get saved. Want to talk about shaking a church up? I've seen it. A youth pastor gets saved. Hmm. A man in the ministry. You ever seen a man in the ministry for 20 years get saved? I know the testimonies of men. They fooled themselves. You know, they, they kind of went along with the program. They, they weren't following God's commandments. They were following the commandments of men, the, the, the commandments of religious men. They were following the church thing. Look, you can conform yourself. You can come in here and sound kind of Jewish and, and messianic, and you can conform yourself, and you can attend, and everybody will assume, assume that you're a believer and, and that you know the Lord, and you can obey and so forth, and you would do it for a while. I wouldn't do it very long. Man, the issue is to know the Lord and for him to know you. That's the it. That's what we're here for. That's what this is about. That's what these commandments are for. Is to separate us from the world so that we might know God, the one true God. Because this existence here is temporal. Your life, if you're lucky, you'll get to go to 70. I don't know. Take stock. How old are you? You know, how much how much time you got left? And, quite, and, and Solomon, the wisest man of the world, he said when he got done figuring out what life is all about, he said, look, there's only one really important issue in this whole world. And that is for you to obey the Lord and get to know him. Everything else is academic. Nothing ranks to that importance. If you don't get that one square during this period of time, man... There's an, an eternal destiny waiting for you that you are not going to like. It will be more than seven times the punishment then. It'll be for eternity. 
And by the way, every person that will go up there will deserve it. Israel, I tell you, brethren, Israel deserved everything it got and more. It was by the mercy of God it stopped it seven times. Now, this seven times thing, I'll conclude with this one thought. It's kind of an interesting thing in our days. The seven times the punishment, because we know what one times the punishment is. One times the punishment is 490 years. The first time that God exercised this and he cast us out of the land was at the Babylonian captivity. And, and, and Jeremiah the prophet said, for 490 years you've been in the land, you didn't obey. So for 70 years you'll go into punishment. After the end of the 70 years you'll come back. That's a one-time judgment. But then he said, if you continue to act and don't obey me, then I'll bring upon you seven times it. Seven times 490 comes out to about 3,430 3, years. I don't know. You know how long Israel's been around? About 3,430 couple of years since Israel became a nation. Isn't that interesting? What's supposed to happen? at the end of all that punishment and judgment and, and all that other business that Moses is talking about, the Messiah comes back. The time for judgment's over. Time for the Messianic kingdom is here. See, even Moses gave us some clues about maybe when this thing will all be over with, this thing of the age, when the judgment will be over with and so forth. Hosea the prophet kind of spoke of this. He talked about how that for two days we would be scattered amongst the nations, like 2,000 years. And on the third day, or the third 1,000 years, we would be drawn back, raised up, and bandaged. We'd be healed. And we would live in the presence of the Lord. There's a whole series of prophecies in here. There's no idle word here. This stuff is for real. This is for real. And the thing that I would want to conclude with this evening and share with you that comes from the teaching of Moses here is we need to make sure that the God we're serving is the God that is spoken of here that gave these commandments. We need to make sure that the God that we claim to pray to and that we think is God is the God who brought the children of Israel up out of Egypt. The God who gave commandments, the God who makes covenants with men, the God who's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who made covenants with David, the God who gave us Yeshua, his son, who made a covenant with us, a better covenant. Instead of the tablets being written on stone and stuck over in the temple in Jerusalem, he's written them on our heart. So that when it comes to loving the Lord, we can do it with all our heart. When it comes to obeying the Lord, we can do it with all of our heart. So that deep down in our heart, we'll know the Lord. That we'll know the Lord from the heart. And that the very presence of God, the very spirit of God, will take up a dwelling place inside this tabernacle, this body, this person. And that his very spirit will be present. Brethren. That spirit of God was sitting in that tabernacle in Jerusalem, and it left. Just because you've had a taste of it, 
doesn't necessarily mean he's there every day. If you decide not to obey, you will be separated from him. And when you decide to obey, you are separated from the world and drawn to him. Now, I'm talking about just the basic facts. These are just simple things. These, this, I'm not trying, to, not trying to disturb your great salvation or your confidence in the Lord. I'm just trying to say it's as simple as this. You want to get to know somebody? Walk with them. You don't want to get to know them? Don't call them up no more. Don't invite them over to your house anymore. Don't go do anything with them. Don't walk with them anymore. And you cease to know them from that time forward. But if you want to know this person, walk with them. Call them up. Leave messages for them. You know, leave like prayers. Hey, God, you know, I got a message for you. You know, get interested in what he's doing. And when he asks you to do something, do it. You know, to kind of participate with him a little bit. When he says, hey, I want you to stop doing that, start doing this, do it. Obey. Follow the commandments. Look, then you'll get to know him. An amazing, interesting thing will take place. You'll change your life. You'll find contentment, peace, and happiness, and all those other things, and confidence to walk, to live. Good things will happen. Now, normally I don't uh, give an invitation for salvation all the time, but, but tonight, because of the nature of this message, if you've been sitting here and there's a moment, just a glimmer, has entered into your heart and you said, you know, wait a minute. I've been, you know, I kind of got everybody fooled. I got everybody faked out, but I'm not really sure I know this guy. And, and I can look down and I can see that my behavior is not what it's supposed to be. I'm not obeying him. And Monty just stood up there and just told us plain as day, you know, if you don't keep the commandments, you don't know the Lord. Hey, you know, I, I got some question. I don't know. I'm not sure if I know the Lord. Well, you need to be introduced to him. You need to be reintroduced to him in some cases. And you can do it just like what he says here. If you confess your iniquity and the iniquity of your forefathers, if you'll repent. You walk up and say, hey, God, I've been going the other way, but I want to go this way now. I want to go with your way. I would like to walk with you. Would it be okay if I could walk along with you? It's as simple as that. And it's you come in faith, you trust, and you obey. Now, now, it's real simple. James teaches us real simple, brethren. If you say you have faith, that's great. But if you want to show your faith, show your works. Show your walk. Let's see it. Let's see your faith. I, I, want, I want to see you have great faith. Let's see your walk. Let's see you walk before the Lord and obey him. You don't have to obey me or other people. Just, just him. That's what it's about. That is what this teaching is about. If you will walk with me and keep my statutes, I will bless you. But if you decide not to obey me, this is what you have for a certainty facing you. And Israel has already proved all this out. God is true on all these things. Believe me, just look at Israel. Look at us. God has spoken the truth here. This is a truth. You can count on it. This is the way it works. But you get to have a choice and you get to decide where you want to walk with regard to it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you, Lord, for the Torah. We thank you, Lord, for the teaching of Moses, the teaching of the Lord that tells us straight, that gives us the truth, that tells us, Lord, that we're not going to fake you out. 
that, Lord, that we need to obey you. And, Lord, I know deep in the hearts of some of the folks that it's hard. But, Lord, I would pray that you might enlarge their hearts, that they might learn, that they would learn your commandments to keep them. Lord, even as, as David prayed, and he said, asked of you that if you would teach him, he promised to keep it to the end. Lord, I would pray this evening that, that it's not my teaching, but that the teaching from your spirit would reach down into each of the people, into their hearts, and confirm with them the truth of these things and how simple it is. It's not hard. It's simply turning to you and agreeing to walk with you. So, Lord, I would pray that as we would endeavor to learn your commandments better, to obey you, that we would reap the reward of knowing you, Lord, that you would cause our eyes to see you and our ears to hear you, that we would discern your voice and be sensitive to your spirit and your presence amongst us. Lord, that we might be the recipients of the blessings that come with your presence. And we ask this all in the name of Yeshua, our King. Amen. For more information about Line and Line Ministries, call our office at 405-447-4429. Our address is Post Office Box 720-968, Norman, Oklahoma, 73070. Our web address is www.lionlam.net. Thank you.